If you don't have it open yet and you want to turn there, you can turn to, I'm going to just move that to the side. The Gospel according to Mark, we're in chapter 9 this morning, and we're going to be looking at chapters 2, or verses 2 to 13. Let's read it together, and then we'll dive into it this morning. This is what the Gospel according to Mark has for us in the chapter 9, starting in verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured, transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my Son whom I love. Listen to Him. Suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And they were coming down the mountain. Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked Him, Why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer with much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about him. Let's pray one more time before we dive in here. God, thank you for your word. What beautiful words they are. As we read them, I pray that they would sink in and that we would continue to learn and grow in our faith and practice. And really know who Jesus is. In Jesus' name, Amen. When you are driving in your vehicle, how many have dr- driven here this morning? How many of you drove in a vehicle? When we're driving in a vehicle, usually you have the radio on. Sometimes maybe you don't. But usually the radio is on. And you're tuning in to music, NPR. Maybe you like to listen to NPR. Sporting events etc. You like to listen to things on the radio. But what happens when you're driving and there's static? You're like, no, I want to listen to this station. It's my favorite song or the sporting event. I'm too, I need to listen to the whole game. But when static happens, what do you do? You try to find the right frequency, right? I do. I, I have to, if I'm listening to a sport event on the radio, I'm like, okay, I can't lose this station. I got to get it back. So you're trying to find the right frequency so you can listen to it clearly or the song that you're listening to on the radio. But sometimes we can't find that frequency. And then I'm like, all right, I got to figure out later who won the game. But there are times when the broadcast comes back and you're like, yes, I found it. Maybe you're driving through the mountains and you lose it and now you got it back. We tune in to those particular radio stations because we want to listen to something as we're driving in our vehicles. 
We can also become attuned to something. The definition for attuned is we are aware of and attentive or responsive to something. In the text today that we just read, Peter, James, and John become attuned to an experience that teaches them something. At times they are tuned in. They're really tuned in at times. But there are also times they're tuned out. They don't understand. They can't listen clearly. They don't understand clearly. So this morning, be aware. I want you to be aware of and be attentive or responsive to what Mark wrote down for us in this experience. I want you to tune in to the correct frequency and pay attention. I want you to do that today. Be attuned to who Jesus is and what He is all about in this passage because there's, there's, it's a miraculous event. And it's a wonderful, beautiful event that we read about. A commentator, Emerson Powery, wrote about this particular story. He said, there's no other story comparable to it. No other story is comparable to this transfiguration of Jesus. His changing of appearance. And that's what we see here as we read it. So we're going to go through this. And there's, we're going to learn who Jesus is. But I want you, be on the right frequency. Tune in. Like you hear, are you tuned in or tuned out? And you'll understand why I titled it that. So let's dive in here. Verse 2. If you're following along, you can follow along in your um, Bible as I explain. But So Jesus takes with Him Peter, James, and John. And He's leading them. That's just, stop right there. Who's doing the leading? Jesus. He takes them. He says, Peter, James, and John, I'm going to lead you somewhere. Come with me. So he leads them up a high mountain. And if you've ever been on a high mountain, it's a beautiful sight, right? I don't know how high this mountain, I should have looked that up, but I don't know how high they walked up, but as they're walking, they're just getting higher and higher and higher. Have you ever been on a high mountain? And you're just like, oh, this is a wonderful experience already. Okay, so Jesus is leading them up. On this mountain, you have Jesus the Messiah. Remember, Peter just, if you look back, what did he just proclaim Jesus is? You are the Messiah. So you have Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, leading Peter up this mountain. Peter means rock. Then you have James, which means supplanter. And then John, Jehovah is gracious giver. And also James and John are the sons of thunder. So you have the Messiah leading the rock, the supplanter. Jehovah is gracious giver. He's leading these people, these followers of Him up the mountain. They were all alone. Now, I don't know if you've ever been alone up on a mountain with three other people. It's lonely, okay? There's, it's quiet. Some, it's a good experience. So they're lonely, but Jesus, what happens to Jesus? He was transfigured before them. They were all alone, and Jesus is metamorpho. That's the Greek word. Everybody say that. Metamorpho. What's that word in English? Metamorphosis. Transfiguration defined in the Merriam-Webster dictionary says a change in form or appearance. Metamorphosis. 
and exalting, glorifying, or spiritual change. Jesus is changed. And verse 3 gives us the description of the change. Did you catch it when I read it? What a beautiful picture that I cannot picture because we don't see anything like it, okay? His clothes become dazzling white. Jesus' clothes become whiter than white. No launderer, that's in the Greek, okay? If you look in the Greek word, the Greek word is no launderer can make it white as this whiteness. Nobody can bleach it whiter than what Jesus' clothes are like at this time. You ever try to bleach something that is white and you're like, I can't get it to what the original color was. But this, no launderer can make it as white as Jesus' clothes were at this time. Isn't that a wonderful, beautiful picture? I just picture myself like not even being able to look at it. I'd be like, whoa, okay. You ever look at the, the snow that just came down in the bright sun? It's whiter than that, okay? And that's blinding. You're like, okay, that is blinding. This is amazing that Peter, James, and John get to experience. And then you get to verse 4. Jesus is now talking with Elijah and Moses. So Peter, James, and John, they're with Jesus all alone, and all of a sudden, Elijah and Moses come. Now remember when I, when I started the Gospel according to Mark, who's Mark's source that he's writing this down from? Did anybody remember? Peter. He's, this is, somebody wrote that this could be the memoirs of Peter. So Mark is getting this information from Peter, writing it down, and Peter said, yeah, Elijah and Moses appeared with Jesus, and we saw this. One commentator said, if you don't believe that you will recognize people after you die and go to the afterlife, this is a good picture of saying we will recognize people. Because somehow Peter recognizes Elijah and Moses. And then Peter said to Jesus, let me stop there one time. This is a very, I sat at my desk, I need to bring this out. Moses and Elijah were talking with Jesus. Does it tell us what Jesus and Moses and Elijah are talking about? No. Now I have to do this because, remember I said I wasn't going to go to any other gospel writer, but I have to on this one because Luke gives us what they were talking about and it's an important detail. So if you look at Luke chapter 9, Verse 31, this is Dr. Luke's account of the transfiguration story. And he writes this in Luke chapter 9, verse 31. So I'll start in verse 30. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Verse 31, they spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Elijah and Moses appear with Jesus and they're talking about Jesus and His departure. The Greek word for departure, exodus. Exodus means exit, departure. The close of one's career, one's final fate. Departure from life, decease. I like the definition, the close of one's career. 
Remember, Jesus came to earth as a baby, born in the flesh, dwelt among us, walked among us, did miracles, teaching, healings, all that stuff. And now Moses and Elijah are talking with Jesus about His departure. He's ending one point of His career, His earthly ministry, and He's going to the cross. And then eventually He's going to be buried and rise again and ascend to heaven. And one day He's coming back. But the end of one's career, His earthly ministry is coming to a close. That's where Luke comes in and says, this is what they were talking about. About Jesus, His departure. One preacher pointed out this, and it's so neat. One preacher said, Elijah and Moses truly have their mountaintop experience seeing God in the flesh. If you remember or don't remember, Exodus 33, Moses is on the mountain and what, is, what happens? God passes by, but He only sees the back of God. Now He's in the presence of Jesus, God. Elijah, he hears the voice on a mountaintop. God's voice in 1 Kings 19. And these key figures in the story, the bigger story of the Bible, they see Jesus who is God. I think that's cool. They play significant roles. They're key figures. Peter, you know, Peter, James, and John are probably like Elijah and Moses. We've learned about them. We know about them. They're key figures in the big picture story. Verse 5 and 6. So Peter said to Jesus, you know Peter always speaks up, right? Right? Peter is the one to always say something Maybe when something's not supposed to be said, he'll say it anyway. But Peter says and recognizes that Elijah and Moses are here and wants to set up shelters or tabernacles for each one of them. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. And he says, it's good for us to be here. Rabbi, let's set up these shelters. And you see that parenthesis. He didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. So I think Peter just was like, I don't know what this experience is, but I just need to say this. It's good for us to be here, so let's set up shelters. It was kind of like a, you know, when you just say something, you're like, can I take that back? I see, I see Peter doing that, but I, at the same time, I don't see Peter thinking that. He just wants to say it. But Peter recognizes there's something significant about this experience, and I want, he probably wants to like relish in it and stay with it for a while. Because he sees Moses and Elijah and Jesus talking with each other. And he's like, let's keep this going. And then verse 7 comes. A cloud appeared and covered them. So Moses, Elijah, and Jesus are covered with a cloud. Remember, Peter, James, and John are there. And now a voice comes from the cloud and they hear this. This is my son, who's the voice talking about? Jesus. Whom I love. So God loves Jesus his son, and then it says, listen to him. Listen to him. Yield to him. Obey and hear him. Hear him. Talk. Listen. Pay attention. Remember, turn on that frequency to the right frequency. Turn on the radio to the right frequency. 
so you can hear it clearly. Listen to Jesus. Two questions for you. How is our listening? And do we listen to Jesus well? Those are questions we might be asking ourselves or thinking about. Do we listen well to Jesus? And this voice comes from the cloud and says, This is my Son, whom I love. Listen to Him. Of course, our listening is drastically different from Peter, James, and John because Peter, James, and John, what have they been doing for a while up to this experience? They've been walking and talking with Jesus who could literally hear Jesus' voice. Now, do we hear Jesus' voice literally? Everybody should be saying, no. If you have, come talk to me because I want to know. But Peter, James, and John hear Jesus' voice on a regular basis. But then this cloud, this voice from the cloud says, listen to Him. He's my Son. I love Him. After hearing this voice from the cloud, they look around and what happens? Suddenly, they no longer see Moses and Elijah. They don't need to build those shelters. And they only see Jesus by Himself again. Verses 9 and 10. So, you know, if I was Peter, James, and John, I would be thinking this, I want to stay on this mountain. I don't want to go back down. I want to stay up here on this mountaintop experience. Because I've had some mountaintop experience. That's an expression. Have you heard that expression before? I hope so. Um, Or somebody said, man, this is such a mountaintop experience. I've had some of those moments. And like I was like, I want to stay in this moment. I don't want to leave. But they had to come down. So as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders. So what did the voice in the cloud just say? Listen to Him. So Jesus tells His close disciples, Peter, James, and John, as they're coming down the mountain, not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. So the four of them, they come down this mountain. Jesus says, don't tell anybody about what you just experienced. Even though you want to, don't tell anybody. Till the Son of Man rises from the dead. They kept it to themselves. And you just get this picture still. They're discussing what rising from the dead meant. Going back to previous lessons that we've learned. Remember after the feeding of all these, the 5,000 and the 4,000, and Jesus in chapter 8 says, do you still not understand? And then He heals the blind man. Remember, two times He had to do it. Spit on His face and then had to clear the vision up. And Peter says, you're the Messiah. And then Peter's like rebuking Jesus because he's talking about His death. And then Jesus had to say, get, me, get behind me, Satan. So they're not understanding still. It's this process of you know, experience after experience and they still don't understand. They're discussing with each other, what did he mean by that? Like, what does rising from the dead mean? I don't know. Peter, do you know? James, do you know? John, do you know? So that's when they're coming down from the mountain. Don't tell anybody till the Son of Man rises from the dead. 
And this, I thought this was cool because I like definitions of words. I don't know about you, but I want you to start learning and um, being excited about definitions of words. If you don't know already, I want you to. Okay? Because the Greek word for until, okay? Remember, Jesus says, don't tell anybody what you saw until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. The Greek word for until is hoton. It means when, whenever, as long as, as soon as. There's no if the Son of Man rises from the dead. It's when the Son of Man rises from the dead. Then you can start telling people. Listen to Him, the voice from the cloud said. That's so cool because He's saying, when the Son of Man rises from the dead, then you can go out and start sharing. It doesn't say if. Jesus is the Messiah. Peter said it recently. He said, you're the Messiah, Jesus. Jesus says, when, not if. I thought that was cool. And then you get this picture because turn with me to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. Remember, Peter is transferring maybe messages to Mark and Mark's writing them down, but we have Peter's letter here. 2 Peter chapter 1. And he's writing to those who through righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. That's who he's writing to. And Peter says this in chapter 1, verse 16, I'm going to start at. Before I read that, the letter of this of Second Peter, he's talking about you know, making your election and calling sure. Add to your faith. Okay? Make every effort to add to your faith. Then he's talking about prophecy of Scripture. He's talking about don't get caught up with false teachers and their destruction. Don't follow their ways. And then chapter 3, he's talking about Jesus is coming back. But he writes this in chapter 1, verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses. What's that word? Everybody say it. Eyewitnesses. They saw Jesus, experienced Jesus. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to Him from the majestic glory saying, This is My Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven and when we were with Him on the sacred mountain. He says, We were eyewitnesses of Jesus. And we get wonderful letters, right? From Peter, James, not not James, sorry, that's a different James, and John. We get letters from Peter and John. And we can read about it, right? What a wonderful thing. Peter says, I was an eyewitness, and now I can tell you about it because he's risen from the dead. And if you... Haven't read the book of Acts? Oh man, that's a good book to read because they're just proclaiming Jesus and who He is. Back to Mark. So don't tell anybody till the Son of Man rises from the dead. Verses 11 through 13. Peter, James, and John then ask a question. 
Why do the scribes and teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? That's a good question, right? It's not a bad question. It's, it's a correct question. Why, does, why do they say that, Jesus? He replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. So there is an expectation of Elijah coming. Like people expected Elijah to come. They were waiting for that. There, there was a prophecy about an Elijah coming. And Jesus answers their question. And he says at the end, he's already come. And they have done everything that was written about him. So Elijah's already come. But Jesus, in the middle of saying, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. And but I tell you, Elijah has come and they have done to him everything they wish, just that is written about him. In the very center of that, he has to say again, why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? So right in the middle of saying Elijah does come first and he's already come, he talks about suffering, the Son of Man being rejected and suffering much. Remember, I've reminded ourselves several times already, in chapter 8, Peter proclaims what? Jesus asked his close disciples, who do you say I am, Jesus? Who Jesus is? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. He proclaimed that. And then Jesus taught about how the Son of Man must suffer and be killed and rejected by elders and be killed and three days later rise again. And then Peter rebukes him and then Peter is wrong in that because he says, get behind me, Satan. And he's still not understanding, but Jesus again says, the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected. At this point, if I didn't mention it when we talked about Peter saying, you're the Messiah, there is a shift in the book of the Gospel according to Mark. There's a shift from teachings, healings, and miracles there's, a drastic, there's still going to be some of those, but there's a drastic switch when Peter says, you're the Messiah, Jesus. And now Jesus is basically teaching about the future cross, resurrection, and all that. There's a shift. There's a transition moment when Peter says, you're the Messiah. And now Peter and James and John and other disciples are going to be learning about how the Son of Man must suffer and be rejected and eventually killed and the resurrection from the dead. You're the Messiah, Peter proclaims. That great confession. And the cross is coming. The resurrection is coming after the burial. You know, Jesus gets hung on a cross and the body is off the cross and they bury him in a tomb and then he doesn't stay dead because three days later he rises from the dead. And all I have to say is, hallelujah, what a Savior. Are we tuned in or are we tuned out? Are we tuned in or tuned out? Tune in to the correct frequency and pay attention. Be attuned to who Jesus is and who Jesus is all about. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience when somebody proclaims and says, Jesus, you're the Messiah. 
If you need to make a decision, whether it's you need prayer, you want to join Ferris family, you need to make the most important decision of saying, Jesus, you're the only one that could save. I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life and be like Peter. You're the Messiah. Repent of your sins. Believe the good news about Jesus. That's what we've been learning in the Gospel according to Mark. This is the Gospel, the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then you're baptized into Christ, forgiven of your sins, and the gift of the Holy Spirit you receive. And then like Tony said earlier, you continue to be live in Jesus and be rooted in Jesus and built up in Jesus. Just as Jesus' appearance changed on this mountaintop with Peter, James, and John, Jesus can change your life. He's changed mine. And talking with some of you, He changed your life too. He's in the changing life business. Come as you are. Jesus wants you as you are. A repentant sinner. Jesus, remember, He proclaimed His first message was repent and believe the good news. So that's what we do and preach today. Repent and believe the good news. Somebody pointed to me out this week as well. We don't sing this song very often, but I want to read the last verse to it because it hit me this morning when I read it. Just as I am, thou wilt receive Wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because thy promise I believe. O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Jesus, the Messiah, died for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again. And Peter, James, and John got that message, listen to Jesus. And they proclaimed it. Oh, they proclaimed it. And that's what we proclaim today. So come as you are as we sing a closing song. Pray with me. Lead us, Lord, in Your righteousness. Make Your way straight before us. Spread Your protection over us that those who love Your name may rejoice in You. Surely, Lord, You bless the righteous. You surround us with Your favor as with a shield. O God, we pray that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that we may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We cry out to You in the name that is above every name. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Amen. Please stand and sing. Closing song is Our God Saves.